0: Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS Programme. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at noon to defend and to promote public education. That's education that's public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it's accessible for all children and it should be publicly owned and controlled. Remember in the good old days when we thought that if taxpayers put money towards capital works, then we should own it and give it on to our children as their inheritance. You know, the whole idea of property being in the ownership of the state, uh, that's no longer acceptable, unfortunately. We have to have private-public partnerships and we have sold off the farm to the multinationals and others. But um, the idea is still there. And we believe too here at the Dogs that our public schools should be owned and controlled by the taxpayers through their elected representatives in the state. As well as that, public education is the only one that should be publicly funded because it's the only one that's publicly accountable. Now, we have a website at www.adogs.info and there is a press release 718 for this week. Scotch College, 25 million 20 year property expansion. Scotch College, Melbourne charges at least 26,000 in tuition fees and it receives a lot of state aid. And a bit later in the program, Robert will give you all the details of the extraordinary amounts of money that pass through this school every year. But for the last 20 years, taxpayer funding has assisted this school on 27 hectares in an aggressive expansion. So it's got 27 hectares that it sits on in the best real estate in Melbourne, in Hawthorne, and yet they're not satisfied. There's been a very aggressive expansion of this school because they've been buying up the neighbouring properties. And this school now owns all but 11 of 27 houses in Hawthorne's adjacent Hambledon Road. And the school has spent about 25 million in recent years as well on other properties in both Hambledon and Fordham Road alone. Recent acquisitions have led Alison Worrell, who's an investigative journalist from the Fairfax Media, to unearth quite a lot of information. Uh, she's been on the Domain website and talking to real estate agents, obviously. So there are 1,880 boys approximately enrolled at this school. It's an all-boys school. And this school paid almost $1 million over the auction reserve price for a three-bedroom brick home at 20 Hambledon Road in recent weeks. The listing agent, Jason Brinkworth, from Marshall White, however, would not comment on the sale or the identity of the successful bidder, but industry sources say that the private school was determined to scoop up the property, bought under the hem- hammer at public auction for just shy of $3.2 million. The reserve price was a million less than that. The house owned by the, was owned by the same family for 66 years and it had a price guide of between 2.2 million and 2.3 million. So, money is no object to this school. It's a Presbyterian school, and out in the parishes, there's quite a few parishes where money is an object because they have difficulty paying their ministers the amount of money that they, they should. Mm. The expansion of Scotts College's property holdings comes as no surprise to those familiar with the school because it's been buying neighbouring houses for decades. The Domain Group records show the private school bought two properties in Hambleton Road in 1997 for 567500 and 460000 In those days that was a lot respectively. The buying spree continued after the turn of the century as price tags in the area approached seven figures. It bought another house in Hambledon Road for $850,000 in 2001 before buying the one next door for $1.4 million two years later. In 2007, the college splashed more than $5 million on three other properties in the street. And prior to last month's auction, the school's most recent purchase was a $2 million house in 2015. But it also owns all of the properties along Morrison Street, which has formed part of the school campus for many years. Houses in Morrison Street are used for bagpipe lessons, media studies, administration and archiving but the school would not comment on what purpose their 17 other properties is going to serve. In a statement, the school said it began buying neighbouring property after losing chunks of the school grounds to the state government for CityLink. On three occasions since the 1960s, the government's compulsorily acquired land from the school to construct the South Eastern Freeway and enable its subsequent widening into the City Link Tollway, a spokesperson said. Bound otherwise by the tollway, Yarra River and Glenferry Road, the school has a long-term strategy to re-establish grounds lost to the tollway by acquiring land to the north. Apparently, their hectares are not enough. In 2013, and I remember the dogs talked about this, the then Napthine government paid Scotch College 5.4 million for a thin strip of land after the school knocked back earlier offers of 1 million. After all, these are Scots. They do know about money. The school also received $4.1 million in compensation for land acquired for the expansion of the Southeastern Freeway, which is now the Monash Freeway, in the mid-1990s. It's rare for properties within a stone's throw of a prestigious school to be listed on the market, and they typically fetch a premium price. But the Domain Group Chief Economist, Andrew Wilson, said that Scotch Hill which is the area near the school, was regarded as part of the ultra-prestige market. And he described the school's purchases as very timely and financially positive investments. Now, the My School website has some very interesting information about this school, which gives you an idea of how it is that they can indulge in these extraordinary uh, property investments. I mean, this, this is multinational-type company. We're not into Adani quite. We're not into the billions of dollars, but we're certainly talking millions, and we're also talking taxpayer money going to this school, which has got such an extraordinary um, financial base and is blessed, really blessed, with such extraordinary financial managers who can manage to get so much money in property um, acquisitions out of our state and our federal governments. But Robert is champing at the beat here to tell you a little bit more about Scotch College.
1: Thank you very much, Jane. Yes, welcome to the Dogs program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast on the WWWs. That is to say, www.3cr.org.au. Yeah, no, Scots College. Oh, dear. If I say anything at all about Scots College, I'm sure people will say that I'm indulging in what I think Matthias Coleman was talking about yesterday as the politics of envy. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because I'm envious of Scots College. I, I want all their money, and I wish I'd been there, and oh, my parents were horrible for not sending me there. I'd, I don't accept that. I think I th- there's a lot
0: of waste of money when you have a look at the NAPLAN results, Robert. Hmm. I think
1: most definitely there is, and I think it's actually a fair comment. I think if they are taking this money from the government, that they to, can be held responsible for that money, which is exactly what I'm about to do. Hmm. Um, everything I'm telling you is freely available information. There's no secret squirrel stuff. I haven't got a spy on the inside or anything like that. Actually, I do. But yeah. um, I'm not, I don't have to use them to actually tell you what I'm about to, tell you to do with Scott's College. First thing I'd like to do is tell you what Scots College says about itself, and then I'd like to tell you what various people have written written into the age about Scots College. And in between me telling you what Scots College says about themselves and what other people say, I'd like to just give you a few little facts in between. But first of all, this is what Scots College says about themselves. They are in fact the oldest, this is this is a fact, the oldest continuing secondary college, continuing secondary school in Victoria. It lives on 27 hectares beside the Yarra River in Hawthorne, probably some of the most valuable property in Australia.
0: started off in Collins Street.
1: And it seeks to develop boys individually to their full potential across broad-based Liberal curriculum, all of which is true. Scotch is affiliated with the Presbyterian Church of Victoria, that's also true, and (laughs) embraces the egalitarianism of its Scottish heritage. Yeah, uh, we'll come back to this idea of Scots College being egalitarian. Just to remind those listeners, egalitarian. Jean, what does egalitarianism mean? Just just before we go any further.
0: I thought it was the Enlightenment idea that all men are equal under God, at least, uh, for the Presbyterians, yes.
1: So All men are equal. And it is men because it's a boys' school, um, although I'm sure there are some female teachers there. Um, they say, while welcoming students of all faith, Christian teachings underpin Scott's philosophy and practices, which is to say it is a Christian school, in fact, a Presbyterian school. Um, it says, enrollments in the main entry levels are largely non-selective. Boys are offered a rich diversity of experiences, including exceptional opportunities in music and drama, and extensive sporting program and numerous outdoor activities. Non-soling this, this, have got to pay
0: fees.
1: Sorry. I'm, no, 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 Jane. It's, it, it's a fair comment, but I'm, I'm actually saying what they say about themselves. Some of this is just true. Some of it, of course, is deeply contentious. <laughs> but I'm reading this here from the Scotch College website. Um, so it's what they say about themselves. Um, in fact, it's the perfect school I go on to say, amidst a caring environment, emphasis is placed on finding for each boy interests that can be become passions whilst improving outcomes. Boys are encouraged to engage with humour and compassion, to be curious and to reflect upon the world as it has evolved and how it might be made to evolve. Mm. Perfect. What a perfect school. What, what a lovely sentence. I really like that. Um, that's great. Um, just to let you know that 83% of the kids that go to that school are in the top quartile. They are the... come from the richest sections of Australia. Um, 83%, that means it's not particularly egalitarian. 11% come from the next quartile down. That is the somewhat rich
0: They're the the ones that sacrifice. They're the sacrificing parents, aren't
1: they? They are indeed, those 11%. And then 3% come from the bottom quartile. They are the poorest people of Australia. And I bet you to a million dollars, in fact, I can tell you straight up, that those 3%, they're scholarship kids. Uh, They are, when they say mostly non-selective, oh, no, they select the the brightest and the best from the poor to boost their um, rankings. So that's what Scotch College says about itself. Now, okay, this is a perfect school because any school that takes interests and makes them become passions, improves their outcomes and encourages humour and compassion and curiosity is, as far as I'm concerned, a brilliant school. I want to send my boy there. Absolutely, no worries at all. Let's do that. Perfect school. Right, I have to cough up on average 26,897 kids, Uh, $26,897 per kid per year, so I have to cough up $27 per year to send my boy there.
0: Your grandfather went there, Robert, be careful.
1: Actually no, (laughs) well indeed, my grandfather went there, that's nice. So
0: you've fallen down in the world, Robert.
1: Fallen down, risen up. Oh, well, let's, let's just well, let's just let's just talk about oh, me wanting you? to send my son to this perfect school. This perfect school that does all these perfect things. Um, I've got to cough up twenty-seven thousand dollars a year. Now that's that's from prep to twelve. Twenty-seven thousand dollars. That's the median. It'll be less when they're younger and more when they when they're older. That's just the base. That's just to get in the door. That, that's not other fees and charges. Twenty-seven thousand dollars per year. Now, we know, if you're in, well, I know, and I can share with you because I've shared it with you before, how much money it costs to educate a child in Australia to a gold standard. It costs independent, well, you know, dependent upon a region, dependent upon ethnicity, depending upon whether their first language is English, depending upon the income of their parents, depending upon all those things. If you took a number in the middle, 15000 $15,000 per year per kid is going to get you a gold standard. We'll be up there with Finland if we're spending that. And allocating it across the public school sector, for sure. Uh, well, so 27000 is what it costs to send a child to Scott's College. That's as a parent. And you go, wow, you as a parent are spending more money, like almost twice as much money as what's required to get an excellent education. So well done. Does the government then need to top up your fees? Well, the answer is yes. Yes. Yes, they do. The government coughs up around about three and a half thousand dollars on top of that for the child who goes for my child who goes to Scots College. In proportion to the to the fees that the parents pay, it's actually quite small. But in sheer numbers, yeah, um over about three and a half thousand dollars is a lot of money. But it doesn't necessarily need, need to be spent. Now bear in mind at Scots College it's a very big school. Being a very big school, it has an enrollment of almost 2,000 kids going to Scotch College. That's almost 2,000 kids getting this perfect education, which means that the total fees from parents each year are over $50 million. Over $50 million is going into the education of these 2,000 kids. Y- you do the math, And that's from just the parents. The state and federal governments are coughing up each year to educate these children on top of the money that the parents contribute almost $6.5 million per year to the children of Scots College, $6.5 million per year. Now, these are the facts. So, Scots College is a perfect school. That's what they say. They say they are an egalitarian school, even though very, 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 very few poor people go there. Um, but do you know what? I'm talking to probably a, a largely and proportionately largely Melbourne audience. You guys know that already. You guys know you can't get your kid into Scots College because, one, you don't have the money, and, two, you have to go on a waiting list that's years long. Um, I know people who want their child to go to Scots College. They have to put them on the waiting list before they're born. You enrol in the school before you have the child. That's the way it works in Melbourne. What do
0: you produce, a Mr Kennett or a Mr Guy?
1: Oh, well, producing a Mr Guy might be problematic. Mr Guy's on the nose. We won't go into that. Um, But all I'm saying is that all in all, even though the parents are coughing up almost more than twice what's required to educate their children well, well, the government is also subsidising the education for the students at Scots College to the tune of $6.5 million per year. So that's $6.5 million in 2017, $6.5 million in 2018, 2019. Every year, Scots College takes money from the taxpayer to do what they do, to have their perfect school. Now, politics of envy aside, um, (laughs) that's just wrong. Um, You call it for what it is. and In fact, many people, because Scots College has embarked upon, as Jane was pointing out, um, some interesting property acquisitions to make themselves even wealthier, a lot of people have actually just had enough. And Dale, if you'd like to share some various opinions from various individuals around Melbourne through the AIDS newspaper who've expressed themselves...
2: Thanks, Rob. Yes, uh, there's been quite a few expressions of uh, opinion on this issue. In the age on the 15th, of, of the, on the 23rd of August, on page 15, uh, Cynthia says, it's great to see the government Education funding helps Scotch College with its $25 million property spending spree. And Phil says uh, Scotch College buys a house for $1 million above the reserve, but Scott Morrison says inequality is not increasing in Australia. And Wendy says uh, education funding helping to reduce housing availability. And then Anthony from St Andrews has written a letter uh, Scotch not on the rocks. Concerning Scotch College continues property buying spree, splashing $3.1 million for Hawthorne House, uh, article from The Age on the 22nd. Uh, Good on Scotch College for its economic management and forward planning. But does it still need government funding? if it's splashing this kind of cash where governments, when government schools are falling down around students' ears.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely right. Now, I've told you about the recurrent funding that people get from their parents, and I talk about recurrent funding that the Scots College gets from the government. What I haven't told you about, and relates very specifically to what Jim was talking about, is how they spend their money. Now, every year, for years and years and years... Almost a decade since two thousand and eight, certainly, which is when we've been had access to these figures, um, the state and federal governments have been coughing up between five and a half and now six and a half million dollars per year to the school just to let you know that last year the income allocated to current capital projects at Scott's college, those building stuff you know swimming pools and tennis courts and you know whatever they feel like just the building stuff not. Not education stuff, not paying teachers, not, not running administration, not, not, do, not doing anything like that, just building things.
0: And buying up whole streets of a very prestigious suburb.
1: Well, actually, now we'll come to that. This is income allocated to current capital projects, excluding the buying of property. That is $5.12 million in one year which is less than the amount of money that they get from the state and federal government. So basically, they're taking money from the taxpayers and building stuff with it. Not, not educating kids. They're just taking that as pure profit and building stuff to enhance the reputation of the school by creating more capital works. That's in a year. Five and a bit million dollars of capital expenditure on stuff in the school for a year. Now... Let's get to the real business of what Jim was talking about before. Scotts College, on on, on their financial report, have a line, other, which is capital expenditure. This is capital expenditure. that doesn't necessarily involve capital works projects, not building anything. It's just capital expenditure on stuff which is other, non-specific. In the last year, okay, that's 2016, 2017, Almost $17 million was spent by the Scots College on other capital expenditures, other than building stuff, other than projects. Almost $17 million, and Jen can now tell you, because we've worked it out, they're buying up property. They're buying up investment property with parents' money and with government money. Could that money be better spent somewhere else in this state to the benefit of the children of Victoria? The answer... Really, really simple. The answer is just yes.
0: They're buying up housing stock. Housing stock that people live in.
1: Hmm. In Hawthorne and Turek. <laughs> Around where they want because, yeah. I mean, I won't go back to the days when they put in the Monash Freeway extension and Scots College got millions of dollars in compensation from the state government because, oh, heavens, various members of the state government happen to, happen to be on the board of Scots College.
0: Oh, they have good, good good, lawyers who are good at negotiating, Robert. Hmm. Good deals. Hmm. Indeed. Good
1: willers and dealers. Hmm. So if we were talking about such situations in the Philippines or in a a country in Africa or even a country in Eastern Europe, there would be words bandied around like corruption. There would be bandied words around about well, how can this possibly happen? It's not to the benefit of the people. It's to the benefit of a small number of people in Scotland. It's all legal, all very legal. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying it's not legal. Not at all. That would be a terrible thing to say on 3CR Community Radio 855 on the AM dial. What I'm saying is under similar circumstances in various countries, various, qu- various people will be questioned about the propriety and appropriateness of such deals, and the propriety and appropriateness of such money being allocated by the government to Scots College for the education of the children there. They don't need it. Never have. Never have. Why, Jean, do Scots College take money from the government? Why? Well, it's very simple. I think perhaps you can answer the question, or perhaps I can, because they want it. They are greedy. They don't need it. They just build something that's nice and looks good, and that means that they can charge more fees to the students next year because the parents think it's an even better place to send their kids to. It's a, it's a sort of diminu- a diminishing returns thing.
0: I think Scott's College and perhaps King's School, they are the two really prestigious schools that could actually lead the way in saying they want to be genuinely independent. We do need genuinely independent schools in Australia, um, but uh, these are the two schools that could actually afford to do so. Mm. Uh, the, and the Presbyterians do have in their history, particularly with the, with the We Fee freeze, a whole historical tradition of going it alone without state help. Uh, having complete separation of church and state. And I think it's very, very sad that the Presbyterian Church, as a Christian church, uh, is allowing itself to be um, led by the nose by uh, people who want prestigious uh, schools, Mm. the parents and so on.
1: You see, quite frankly... If they weren't taking taxpayers' money and they were charging $27,000 a year per student... If they none of taking, your business, Robert. It's absolutely none of my business. I wouldn't be talking about it on the radio because it's none of my business. It's mm. a private enterprise. Um, they would have certain obligations under the Australian National Curriculum to mm. teach certain things in certain ways. That's fair enough, and I think they think that's fair enough. To, I don't think they'd argue that point.
0: They were for 80 years when your grandfather was there, for example. They were genuinely independent.
1: Indeed. Um, so if they, if they weren't taking six million or $6.5 million a year i wouldn't be talking about it i wouldn't be completely outraged if that's a complete waste of money i want that money to go to to Mariborong. i want that money to go out to sunshine i want that money to get out of Packingham. i want that money to go to a good solid secondary college so they can just take a bit of that money a bit of that money and hire some teachers oats, a bit of that money and basically make sure that the roof of the gym doesn't leak it takes a little bit of that money a couple of hundred thousand dollars to a, you know to well, let 's think about it, a couple of hundred thousand dollars to about thirty different secondary colleges around australia oh victoria wouldn 't the principals be over the moon? i'll tell you right now, a principal in a secondary college in Victoria knows how to manage their money they 'll take one hundred thousand dollars and they 'll stretch it out as thin as they can for the best possible benefit for their students because that 's what principals have to do in Victoria. Six and a half million at scott's college it 's just wasted on the top. It's just buying yourself a two uptown, two, two down in Hawthorne, because you might want to expand your not knock it down and expand your playing fields at some point in the future. It's just a waste of taxpayers' money. It can't be justified under any, under any situation. In fact, I haven't heard an argument that specifically justifies the spending of money spending of taxpayers' money on the students at Scotts College. In fact, the people at Scott's College go, "Well, you know, everyone else gets it, so why don't we?" That's it. That's the only reason. that's the only justification they have.
0: It's time they said, just get off our back and leave us alone. We're independent. We want to be independent. Take your money and run with it to the nearest poor mm-hmm. state school. Really s- I, I,
1: I will stop talking I will stop talking about Scots Groves a minute they stop taking taxpayers' money. Really, really simple. I'll stop talking about it. Um, and the people in the age will stop talking about it because, again, it will be none of their business.
0: Well, let's have a break from talking and have a bit of music, and then we'll come back with some more interesting material. Mm-hmm.
1: Welcome back to the DOGS program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. A bit of Verdi to calm us down here on the docks as we go about the process of defending government schools, DOGS, Defenders of Government Schools. Um, yeah, listen to 3CR, obviously, 855 on the AM dial. It's good to have our regular listeners back and also any new listeners. Um, we discuss um, various issues in education in, in Australia, because there are issues in education in Australia. And there's been a strange little crossover in the last couple of weeks where what they call the plebiscite or probably more accurately called the national postal survey on whether people think gay people should be married um to each other <laughs> as opposed to anyone else uh, yeah we know we've been as, as a nation asked to 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 make a, a, to give an opinion about that and send off a letter to the government and tell them what our opinion is um strange isn't it anyway as 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 part of as part of this poll process um there's it's, I, I don't know what the question's going to be but the answer is obviously going to be yes or no. And there are some people who think that it should not be changed. There are some people in this country for a variety of different reasons, and I don't at all mean to be disrespectful, but for a variety of different reasons, think that gay people should not be married to each other in Australia, and they're going to um, tell the government in the survey that no, 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 it, this, this should not be changed. Um, and one of those groups is the Australian Catholic Church, um, who are, in fact, a, net bishop, a beneficiary of taxpayers' money, principally, but not entirely, for education. So the Australian Catholic Church, who are in receipt of taxpayers' money to run their school system, do not think that gay people should be married to each other. And they are actually now in the process of, this, of, of lobbying to convince other people that their stance is the correct one, that not only do they think that two gay people should not be married to each other in Australia, but other people should agree with them. And one of the ways they're doing this is they're saying that anyone who works in, the, in any of their institutions, any of their hospitals or their schools or anything like that, all of which, by the way, those hospitals and schools are taxpayer funded, um, uh, can get fired. In fact, will be fired.
0: And they're having a great deal to say, and this is very interesting, on both sides, actually, about freedom of religion, freedom mm. of conscience, if you like. Um, I wish well, they'd taken this stance. Freedom of conscience and
1: freedom of religion are two things, I think you're fine. But yes. yes no, yeah. no,
0: no, no. Um, very similar. But um, I wish they'd taken this stance, the Catholic Church and its school, school representatives, back in 1991 with the dog's case on Section 116. Because they managed to get rid of religious freedom in the dog's case in 1991. And now they're screaming that they want it. I wish there was a bit of consistency here because uh, the idea of freedom of religion and freedom of conscience is a very, very important one and we've lost it.
1: Hmm. Indeed. So we have this survey on same-sex marriage which means that what goes on between two consenting gay people and whether they can't get married here is now a political issue. And of course when it comes to political issues, the Catholic Church has a habit in Australia of just wading in. Um, politics, yes, we're there, we're the Catholic Church, we're going to tell Catholics how to vote. We're going to tell Catholics what we are going to do as an institution. Um, And what they say is very, very simple. They are now threatening to fire, to cease and terminate the employment of teachers, nurses and other employees who marry their same-sex partners if gay marriage is legalised. And this is a dramatic move, of course. Uh, by the Catholic Church in particular. I'm actually quoting in part from a report by Michael uh, Coziol from the Fairfax Press in an article published in The Age on August the twentieth, 2017. And he actually went and had a chat to the Archbishop of Melbourne, uh, Dennis Hart. And in that chat, the Archbishop said um, very simply um, that of the 180,000 employees in Catholic institutions in Australia, 180,000 employees, they were, all of them, expected to uphold the teachings of the Catholic Church totally. And any defiance of the teachings of the Catholic Church on behalf of any employees would be treated very seriously. And And this is to quote him. He says, this is the Archbishop Dennis Hart, I would be very emphatic that our schools, our parishes exist to teach the Catholic view of marriage. He said any words or actions which worked contrary to that would be viewed very seriously. What about
0: children? What about the children of people who've been divorced or children of sole parents? For many, many years, these children have been not acceptable in a lot of Catholic schools, but they have been acceptable in uh, the state school system? Oh,
1: the question of acceptability in the state school is just oh, it's a ridiculous question. Yes. Oh, state schools have yes. proper values. This is
0: why it's so important that we have a oh, public look, education Oh, look, no, no, system. no,
1: don't, 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 don't even talk about state, state schools in the same breath of, as Archbishop Denner Hart. I mean, <laughs> sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, no, you, you're dragging stats. Sorry to offend. You have offended me, Jean. <laughs> offended me talk, talking about these comments about the Archbishop of Hart and then saying state schools in the same breath. It's ridiculous. State schools have nothing to do with this. Any self-respecting state school would not even ask the question. It would be offensive, quite frankly. And mm. so it should be. Free mm. secular and universal education doesn't ask whether, whether parents are divorced or married or gay or whatever. I don't care. And neither should anyone. No. Children are what Exactly. Now, Archbishop of Melbourne, his Hart, obviously thinks that children are not the first priority. The Teachings of the Catholic Church are the first priority. And he's just saying this. He's just stating it very, very clearly. A state within a state. Imperium imperio, as you say. Now, he says, our teachers, our parish employers, especially to totally uphold the Catholic faith and what we believe about marriage. People have to see in words and an example that our teachings of marriage is underlined. Marriage is underlined. And he said, we won't be slipping on that, said Archbishop Hart. And he also chairs, by the way, Archbishop Hart, the powerful Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference. So he's the boss of the bishops. Um, He's the chair, anyway. He said individual hiring and firing decisions are best dealt with at a local scene. So he's, he's, he's trying to give himself an out there saying, well, I'm going to say this and then put the onus on all the principals to hire and fire based upon what I have said. Now, he's not out on his own. There's an Archbishop, Tony Costello. He's the chair of the Bishop's Commission for the Catholic Education. So he's not just the boss of the bishops, he's the boss of all the schools. And he's cautioned teachers against undermining their school's values if same-sex marriage becomes law. Archbishop Costello, this is the the guy who's the boss of all the Catholic churches, or Catholic schools I should say, said parents who sent their children to Catholic schools wanted them educated within a Catholic framework of which marriage between a man and a woman and no others is a vital part. He says in accepting the role in a Catholic school, staff will recognise their responsibility to conduct themselves in such a way as to not undermine the fundamental ethos of the school of the school now the east off of the school is guided by the ethos of the archbishop the ethos of the archbishop is divided by canon law the canon law says that men and women can't get married so that's that and in truth in truth archbishop Hart is not telling any lies but one thing he's not doing is he's not saying he's going to obey australian law if australian law changes and do you know what he doesn't have to he's never had to Archbishop Dennis Hart is above the law in Australia, isn't he, Jean? He's always been that way. Well, that's a question.
0: That actually, at the end of the day, is the question, is it? isn't it? Do we or do we not have a secular state here? Do we or do we not have separation of church and state?
1: Um, well, the answer, of course, is no, Jean. i just argue it's very simple. The answer to your. It's not, it's not even a rhetorical question. It's a simple question. Does Archbishop Hart have to obey the anti-discrimination laws of this country in his hiring and firing practices in Catholic schools? And the answer to that question is no. No, he doesn't. Am I wrong, Jean?
0: Well, perhaps it's time uh, this was (coughs) uh, decided again by the High Court or perhaps the High Court should be put on trial in this matter in the same way as it's being put on trial at the moment concerning um, dual citizenship.
1: If you go for a job at the Australian Catholic University, as part of the interview process, you have to quote your, your rosaries. That's it. You just do. And if you don't, um, you may not get the job. Um, if you go to a... <laughs> well, you have the friend to tell you this, Robert. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, well, it's just a very simple thing. If you go and you're a teacher and you want to work in a Catholic school system and you are living out of wedlock... If you are having a relationship with someone to which you are not married in the Catholic faith, and uh, you are expected in that school currently to not share that information with the children, to actually live in a world, and it's a very simple world. It's, 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 it, it, this whole thing came up, in, and we have a name for it now. It's called Don't Ask, Don't Tell. If you're a good teacher, the Catholic school, you're a good teacher, we'll have you, but um, if you're living out of wedlock, you're being asked to... Don't ask. No one's going to ask you, and you're not to tell anyone. Well, this if is the children ask, you, if you tell them, you'll get sacked.
0: Well, you, you talked to all of the victims and the parents of, of the children who were abused in Ballarat, and it was don't ask, don't tell, wasn't well, it? it this, has been for a long time. Well,
1: this is what I'm saying. This culture of don't ask, don't tell is actually fundamental. Now, I just want to, without, without sort of trying to give Archbishop Hart and Archbishop, I'd like to actually um, highlight exactly what they said about this. And they go on to say, this is is Archbishop Costello, in accepting a role in a Catholic school. So if you accept the role, then you accept that you have to work within a don't ask, don't tell situation. He says staff will recognise their responsibility to conduct themselves in a way as not to undermine the fundamental ethos of a school. Now, that's how you say it. it. You don't say, say, oh, no, if you're gay, don't tell anyone. (laughs) You go you have to act and recognise your responsibility to conduct yourself in a way that will not undermine the fundamental ethos of the school, or you 'll be sacked, like all other employees, the Catholic Church employers, the Catholic Church should be able to ensure its values are upheld by those who choose to work for the organisation
0: once again, they should be allowed to do this so long as they don 't take state money
1: indeed
0: If they were genuinely independent, then that 's fine it 's none of your business, Robert. Uh, they've made it your business by taking taxpayers' right.
1: money. Well, it's nice to know there's just no, absolutely, absolutely right. If they weren't taking taxpayers' money to run their school system, this is not my business. Um, unless, they, unless they're breaking Australian law, um, which, well, in fact, they are in this case, but we'll come back to that. Now, Michael Cozziol is a journalist, so he's had a chat to the Archbishop, Den at Hart, he's had a chat to Archbishop Douglas Costello. They've been very clear, saying if, if, if you don't obey by a don't ask, don't tell policy, you're in trouble. You can be hired, you can be fired, you can be moved around at because that's just we're going to, because we're a bunch of Catholic people and we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, blah, blah, blah. But the good old Michael Coziel, he said, No, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go and have a chat with the Anglicans, see what they say about it, which is fair. Nice, good to see a little bit of journalism. Rather than just pig on the Catholics all the time, he went to ask other people. The Anglican Church, while well, de- declined to comment, <laughs> also emphasised the importance of protecting religious freedom and warned about safeguards um, that had quickly unravelled overseas. They're saying overseas models, when gay people get married, everything unravels. Um, I won't get into that. Um, I would just suggest there is no evidence for this.
0: What is happening is that they're looking forward to having exemptions, exemptions in this, uh, any new legislation. And um, they have so many exemptions from the law of the land that, in fact... Uh, a lot of our religious organisations are indeed states within the state.
1: Hmm. And he goes on. Um, actually, Michael's done a good job here. Um, I just want to quote from his article again. He says, under Australia's anti-discrimination laws, and he points out what i said already, churches already have wide-ranging exemptions allowing them to hire and fire on the basis of sexual orientation. They do, uh, already. already. They also allow them to hire and fire on the basis of marital status and Other, inverted commas, any other characteristic which they find offensive to their religious um, sensibilities. Now, while LGBTI employees are often tolerated by church employers, they think a same sex wedding may be considered a public denunciation of church teachings on marriage. So it's a sort of a this far and no further question. For, for for the religious employers.
0: Well, don't ask, don't tell, which is
1: um, But if you get really married in a, in, in, in Well no, but you see, if you get married to if if the law changes and two gay people get married, the don't ask, don't tell thing can't apply anymore because you are married but you're just not married in a way that the Catholics would recognise. And so therefore the Catholic Church says, Well if you do that you will be sacked because that is a public declaration and you we're not asking you, but you're telling us. <laughs> And so only, to
0: only if they have to produce a marriage certificate if it happens,
1: or, oh. or they do what they currently do, which is at the moment I know many teachers in Catholic schools. When asked questions by the students, um, they just lie, they just are forced to lie to keep their jobs. Mm. That that's just what happens. The the don't tell bit means you tell untruths, you, you you tell things that you, do you think the children need to hear to make sure you keep your job. So you live a double life, of course, of course. Catholic, Catholic education, the Catholic Church, and double lives. Oh, well, we, we, let's, let, let's, not, let's not laugh too hard. Anyway, Father Frank Brennan. Uh, Father Frank Brennan is often being considered a progressive voice in the Catholic Church. He's actually the chief executive of the Catholic Social Services in Australia. He, this week, he defended the ability for church schools to refuse employment on same sex attracted people. Yep. And for aged care facilities to reject married gay couples. So, if you're married and gay, you can't come into a Catholic aged care. No. Not at all. Can't just go away. Be somewhere else. Writing in The Guardian, Frank Brennan indicated he would vote yes in the upcoming postal survey, but wanted the church's right to to discriminate to be maintained. However, Catholic Health Australia, the country's largest non-government, non-profit health group, distanced itself from those threats.
0: These are multi-billion dollar industries, Absolutely.
1: When you say multi-billion, multi-billion dollar taxpayer-funded industries. They're not industries. They're, They're public service provision by a church
0: contracted
1: out there. Yeah. So Catholic Health Australia, Susan Greenwood, she told uh, Michael that she would not expect doctors and nurses to adhere, so st- to, to adhere so strictly to the church's teachings. So she's saying, yeah, but we're not going to be strict about it. She says, no, we're not converting people to Catholicism. It's not really relevant in the jobs people are performing within the care environment. But she would then have to do what everyone's been asked to do, which is don't ask, don't tell, and if you do tell, just lie. Um, religious organisations have had exemptions on the Sex Discrimination Act since 1984. This is what I was referring to. It's already there. They can just do this. Human Rights Commissioner Ed Santo backed the act and said any attempt to legalise same-sex marriage would need to be ma- You would need to maintain these exemptions for religious organisations. And in fact, I don't think there's any argument for that. I don't think anyone who wants to say that two, people can be, two, two gay people can be married to each other saying two people gay, gay people can be married to each other and they have to be married in a Catholic church. Well,
0: why have discrimination laws at all? I mean, if they're, if they're so holy, so full of holes, why have them?
1: It is a very simple um, question and the answer is, well, I think the answer is because we need them. Mm-hmm. I think because we need those laws. We need those laws to protect the vulnerable. We need those laws so that if someone doesn't get a job because of the colour of their skin, we need to have some recourse at law to stop that actually happening.
0: But in in, in fact, a large proportion of the schools throughout Australia, um, they don't apply. Mm. I mean, that's a big hole in discrimination law, isn't it?
1: Mm. Massive hole. If you think about it. Well, no, absolutely it
0: is. So... Um, it's not just freedom of religion, it's also freedom from religion for um, these people who are vulnerable. Uh, so um, well, just exactly what is going on with mm. uh, freedom of conscience in Australia, I wonder.
1: Well, Bishop Stead is an Anglican bishop and um, Lyle Shelton, who's the managing director of the Australian Christian Lobby, basically say that um, all, these, all these exemptions have to be maintained, otherwise there'll be no freedom and the whole world will fall apart. And we've seen this already in, in other countries that the whole thing's just terrible and so therefore we have to say no. Why can't
0: we um, keep private and, and public
1: separate? Indeed. So. Um, so having highlighted all of this, I would just like to go on to say, well, what about the Independent Education Union? Archbishop Dennis Hart has just threatened teachers in private schools. He said, shut up, don't tell us or we'll sack you. And if you want to get married and you're gay, don't do it. Otherwise, we'll sack you. So, what does the Independent Education Union say? Well, the Independent Education Union, on behalf of its members, has a statement on its Facebook page. I'd like to read it to you, and I think it's fascinating, because the Independent Education Union knows full well the Archbishop's not telling lies. He can do this anyway. He can do whatever he likes, and they have, and the employees for whom who are members of this union have no protections whatsoever. So, this is their response. They say. We stand with our members, and any threat regarding employment will not go unchallenged. Our members are capable of being mindful and respectful of the values of schools in which they work, but are not, but are also entitled to private lives. This is this is your argument, Jane. Yep. And the vast majority of principals and school leaders at a local area understand this. So their saying is, you don't need protection under law. Everyone will be nice to everyone else. And teachers can have their private lives private and still be respectful of the values of the school in which they work. So that's that's the official statement from the Independent Education Union, which is just let it lie. Everyone will be nice to each other. But the comments are interesting. And there are many, many, many other comments on this. The, uh, I, and, I, I won't read you them all, but some the of them are actually calling into question exactly what's going on here.
0: The independent uh, union has always depended upon the state school unions to fight for their uh, rights and yep. also their uh, wages. So don't make any mistake about that. Mm. Tain Cat Union.
1: Well, Brenda, Brenda Fairdon, he says regarding, and this is regarding with living with a partner outside of marriage the catholic school expect- expectation is that one keeps one private life to oneself she says i don't work in a catholic school but i find children ask a lot of stuff i tell nothing that i don't choose to tell them but i do find them in a situation when they when they i have to actually tell a lie now the independent education union has of victoria and tasmania has replied to brenda as as an organisation i said hello brenda if we are made aware of threats to the employment of our members over this issue from any other employers, our response will be the same. And the response is, everyone should be nice to each other and most principals understand this.
0: Because they have no protection really in law because of the exemptions from the Discrimination Act.
1: Mm. You know, then goes on to say, I think this is rather interesting, she's a bit of a troublemaker, I think, like yourself, Jean, and probably even like me and Dale. She says, one of the things I find amusing about the independent education union's willingness to condemn Catholic schools is that the likelihood of, the livelihood of IEU union workers depend on Catholic schools. If you remove religion from schools, and all schools can revert to the secular, your members will actually be out of a job. So... You know, the Catholic or edu- well, private education systems is functionally parasitic on the state in Australia. It just is, and the Independent Education Union is parasitic on the private school system. That's, I mean, they kind of have to be, and that's not.
0: No, they're pa- parasitic on the state school unions, Robert, as to well. Actually like fight the... for the mm. rights of teachers, have been for years.
1: Indeed. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, Mark Flood um, sort of mentions that the character, as defined by the ethos of Catholic schools, is actually representing the values of the church and presenting the compassionate face of Christ to the world, respecting the dignity of every person and all that sort of stuff. But no, actually, the Catholic Church isn't just about those broader ideas. The Catholic Church is about what Archbishop Dennis Hart says it's about because he's the archbishop. (laughs) And Mr. Costello, he's in charge of the Catholic schools. And as a Catholic friend of mine pointed out, each diocese is different. So what goes on in one doesn't, isn't necessarily what goes on in another. And all of this is true. But there is a collective responsibility. So well, no, Those Catholics down in Melbourne are doing bad things, not us Catholics up here in Bathurst. It all goes, and I'm going, what's that got to do with anything? It's a question of principle. It's a question of taxpayers' money. You're getting the money whether whether you're good or you're bad, and you're saying it doesn't matter.
0: Robert, Robert you're talking about a multinational uh, organisation with its centre in Rome in a few acres, uh, and it's called the Vatican. Hmm. It's, a, it's a very hierarchical organisation, this one you're talking about.
1: Well, it's interesting. I mean, just to, just, just to distract Brenda. Uh, I like Brenda. I think you would too, Jane. Uh, she says, what's the edu- independent education you're enduring about Islamic school members? As a casual relief teacher, I was asked by an agency whether I would wear a headscarf in order to teach in an Islamic school. I said I wouldn't, and I gathered that excluded me. It was easier to criticise Catholicism, I suppose, she says. The reality is that I would not expect to teach in an Islamic school if I was not willing to live by the religious rules. I was not willing to abide by the headdress religion requirements, so I accepted that I could not work in a, in, in, in a Muslim school. So she's got the religious freedom argument down as well. I think it's actually a fair point that she makes.
0: Oh, yes, the Islamic schools uh, require all sorts of other other requirements for um, uh, wear and tear too when they, uh, mm. when they have young girls going out, as students particularly. Mm.
1: And someone else, Christopher, just on a different point, Christopher Duncan points out, he says, so the Catholic Church is saying they're going to do this to the teachers and the nurses and the other employees. He says, What about the priests? <laughs> <laughs> about the priests who don't do the right thing by by the students. And but they'll just get transferred from school to school and keep their loving and keep their loving existence in, in the body of Christ. What a joke, says Christopher Duncan. Yes, yes, we won't get too deep into that. Um, you've been listening to the Dogs program, but I think this is fascinating. Because we talk about education issues and the Independent Education Union is weighing in on this. But their weighing in is all full of ifs, ifs and buts because they are not independent. They are the dependent education union and they're dependent upon the employers, which are, of course, the private schools of Australia. Everything It's you're all saying, rather sad.
0: Everything you're saying, Robert, in fact, gets back to um, the second uh, part of what the dogs are about. We're about defending and uh, promoting public education, but we are also against giving taxpayers' money, state aid, to private schools, and we're against that because it um, contravenes, we believe, Section 116 of the Constitution. It undermines religious freedom in this country, freedom of conscience, which is one of the most basic human rights that you can... Uh, find throughout history.
1: And there's one place in the education setting in Australia where you can find this, and I think this is the point (laughs) at the end of this discussion where we can, and we really should, talk about the values of state education, the values of a a state secondary school, the values of a state primary school, the values of a university (laughs) that is not religiously based, Um, values of education that are secular,
0: it is open in access, it's open in access to every child, to every teacher, uh, to every cleaner, to every administrator and there are no requirements of either a financial, political or religious nature put upon anybody who has access to a state public education system. It's so basic.
1: Imagine, Jane. The vice chancellor of Melbourne University gets up and says what Archbishop Dennis Hart says about his university. Oh no, no! If anyone comes to this university and they don't hold the values that that, that we hold as a university, they will be safe. They'll be taken out if they want to be um, heterosexual, uh, transgender, homeless, whatever. what will it be just some random thing that they say. No, no, you 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 will be excluded from our organisation. If any vice chancellor of any any university said what has been said here by the people who run the Catholic Education System in Australia, uh, they'd be sacked the next day. In fact, they wouldn't last the day. If any principal in any secondary college said or did anything like that, they wouldn't last the day. They'd get a big brown box, all their stuff would be, would be chucked in it and they would be kicked out the front door, probably very nicely and not very violently, but they would be out of a job on that day if they said anything like this because it is abhorrent. that Taxpayers' money should be given to people who talk about things like this in this way. Without the taxpayers' money, they can do what they like, as far as the dogs are concerned. And I none think of that's our it's none of my business. But we've come to the end of the dogs programme, of course. We've had a very interesting week in terms of policy, both in terms of separation of religion and state and education seen in Australia. Uh, we hope to have your accompany of course next week, but until next week, um, you can in fact investigate what we've been saying on our website. So, if you missed the dogs through the week and you want to find out more, get on our website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Or you can, if you've already listened to the podcast, that's fine. But if you want to check on some facts and listen to the show again, you can on the 3CR website at uh, 3cr.org.au. But until next week, from G, myself, and Dale, it's bye for now.
3: lake city joe says i am standing by my bed they framed you on a murder charge says joe but i'm dead says joe but i'm dead the copper bosses killed you joe All uh-huh. right.